All right, for our third segment today, we have a little bit of help. Joining me here is attorney at law, Jim Harrison. I ran into Jim a few days back. He expressed an interest in what we're doing down here at KDVS and asked if he could be a part of it. And I said, sure, this uh, show needs more attorneys. It only has two. So carrying coals to Newcastle now is Mr. Jim Harrison. Welcome aboard, Jim. Hey, thank you very much. Now, uh, we do actually have two lawyers that regularly appear on the show, um, Steve Alexander and um, Stuart Gardner, but we're glad to have you because I don't think you can ever have too many attorneys, can you? <laughs> uh, we stack up nicely against each other, <laughs> I think. We should mention, Jim, for our listening audience, that you've just been recently admitted to, uh, what is it, how does this work, so that you can you could appeal to the Supreme Court? Hey. Got admitted to the Supreme Court bar. It's it's like a club. Okay. Um, the Supreme Court won't just let anybody walk in and start talking. You have to go through a background check and be uh, sponsored by two members that are already members of the bar and give them 100 bucks and two box tops. You are now able to address the Supreme Court of the land. Not only that, but I get to use the executive washroom there. And, <laughs> and no, no, I get to use their library, which is really cool. That, yeah. That's not open to the public. Yeah. And you have a couple of cases that might actually wind up in the Supreme Court? I'm, I'm helping on, on one that's out of Nevada uh, called Heibel that's going to oral arguments in um, Heibel versus the state of Nevada. Mm-hmm. It's going to oral argument in, the, in March on the 22nd, and that has to do with uh, a policeman demanding ID from a pedestrian, and when he refused to do it, uh, arresting him for interfering with the police officer's duties. Total bootstrapping issue. And I have so another an interesting potential case. Oh, it's more than potential. The Supreme Court granted cert on it. Uh, the The actual client is represented by the Nevada Public Defender, mm-hmm. who is more than surprised that uh, the Supreme Court granted cert. So, what are the odds? The odds are pretty good. You'll be in Washington at some point. I'd love to go. I, f- I filed a uh, uh, an amicus brief on it, uh, largely because the lower court's decision. Uh, did a comparative analysis on Fourth Amendment infringements upon your right to privacy by saying that you have to show ID in airports. Anyway, that's the law, and that's actually not the not the not the truth in in the subject of a uh, another lawsuit lawsuit that's going on right now. Well, there's a lot going on in the legal field, and I was hoping you could help me walk through some of this. Uh, a lot's going on with the Supreme Court right now, and I guess you've been following this. Supreme Court's been very busy. They're going two different directions at the same time while they're saying they're going to address civil liberties issues that the uh, administration wants them not to address. They're, they're also uh, beating down the doors of our civil liberties in, on other fronts. So well, it's, it's very odd. That sounds like the Supreme Court we've learned to, to know and love. I guess the flag salute issue right here from Sacramento is going to come up soon or next week, or is that is there a timetable on that? In God We Trust, the 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 uh, saying the Pledge of Allegiance and including including the name God and the Pledge of Allegiance yes. that you're talking yes. about. Yeah, that's coming up to uh, oral arguments on March 24th, I believe. Okay, well maybe you can maybe you can come back and talk about that when it goes down. Be glad to. All right. In the meantime, let me just let me just before we get into the Supreme Court, let me run the couple issues past you. Uh, Sacramento B, January 9th, two thousand and four. Venue change ordered for Scott Peterson. Yeah, they're uh, worried that that everybody knows about Scott Peterson. That he won't be able to get a uh, fair trial with an impartial jury. Now, I got to ask you as an attorney. 
does this make sense to the legal profession to take a case that can be, you can be in Borneo right now and follow what's going on with Scott Peterson. The whole world seems to be interested in this case, and yet they move around jurisdictions and where they hold trials because of, quote, pretrial publicity, unquote. To speak frankly and honestly, which I guess is what you want me to do here, the... <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought that frankly would be better. Yeah, and honesty uh, would be better, it's, yeah. It's largely a matter of judicial economics. They don't want to be caught where this guy gets a mistrial, um, and, and they have to go through the whole process right, again. And, and right. while, while he, they might, everybody might know about it, the, the argument that he needs a mistrial is weaker if they move it. Well, actually, we had on this program Dr. Cyril Wecht a while back in October, and his good buddy, uh, F. Lee Bailey, apparently pioneered this technique back with the Sam Shepard case back in Cleveland. And uh -huh. they, that's what, I guess that was the beginning of so many of these uh, change of venues that we've had. Well, it's a common so way to slow things down, too. It slows things down. It moves them around. It costs more money initially, but you're saying it might cost more. It might be a cost-effective uh, thing in the long run because then there's not going to be a retrial. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for giving us that novel perspective. Under the I, heading of judicial economy. Okay. Well, I hadn't. I hadn't thought of that angle. I'm very. Uh, I'm very pleased. <laughs> you've already given us that. Yeah. All right. Then how about this one? Robert Blake apparently is going up for trial now for shooting his girlfriend. The part I don't get about this is how in America it's considered normal. The excuse being offered by his defense team, as I gather it, is you know, he just went back to the. He went back to the restaurant to get the gun. He left his gun, and he went to get the pistol, and on the way back, darn, someone shot her in the head. How about Couldn't that? Couldn't have been him. It was his cockatoo. Everybody knows that. <laughs> this one just leaves me speechless. I presume it, it must do the same for you. He went back to get his gun, and someone else shot her, so he must be, it must not be him? Well, um, sometimes defense counsel just like to entertain, I suppose. <laughs> Do they teach you this in law school, that when the law's on your side, you bang on the law? When the facts are on your side, you bang on the facts? And if neither's on your side, you bang on the table? Uh, and shovel as, as fast as you can, yes. <laughs> well, let's go back to the Supreme Court. Um, they're going to talk about, uh, well, I guess the issue here about Muslim charities and whether they're going to open the records, is that what's currently up? That came out dock? today. Actually, yeah. it's, it's not necessarily the Supreme Court. Um, it's the Senate Finance Committee has asked, I believe, the IRS, and this I just heard on the radio on the way over here. Yeah. They want the IRS to divulge to them the tax returns for Muslim nonprofit charitable organizations uh -huh. so that they can, oh, see whether or not they are funding the bad guys. Well, okay, so this is this still in limbo as to how this is going to go. Uh, this is going to go over like a, a flaming lead brick, hopefully. Uh -huh. um, people are starting to wake up that, that you know, you just can't uh, whole hog violate you know, equal protection laws, which is really what this one's about. You're, you're saying, well, we want to know the confidential IRS uh, filings for Muslim organizations. Right. And, you know, there is a little thing called equal protection under the law. And, you know, while these are artificial entities, we're applying confidential uh, status to documents for Christian organizations, but not Muslim organizations. And that's well, are Christian organizations rallying to the to their uh, defense on this? I doubt it. The, uh, the ACLU certainly will. It's dumb, and it's going to make for a long, protracted uh, Supreme Court process if unless unless they just bag it. So it's not at the Supreme Court yet, but you just see it's destined to get there. Oh uh, yeah, and probably pretty quickly. I okay. mean, that being a year and a half. 
What about this ruling about the traffic stop? I guess they decided that uh, this man that was drunk, driving drunk, and was picked up on a traffic stop looking, they were passing out leaflets, and they found him, and he says, well, it wasn't fair that you searched me and found out that I was drunk because, you know, it was a traffic stop and nothing to do with public safety. Right. Well, he about ran over a cop. He was so drunk. That was, uh-huh. it wasn't as if you had to go looking for him. He came driving right. into So him. his attorney came up with a novel argument that... Yeah. Well, it was a good <laughs> argument. They, they yeah. The Supreme Court had previously said that, well, they had gone two ways. One, they said that you can't do random, that you can't do stops uh, to search cars for drugs. Right. If you you can't you have just to have a prob- you have to have a probable cause of well or, not necessarily no. they even got tighter than that you can't you can't stop and and put a drug sniffing dog on on the person yet at the same okay. time they have said that you can do roadblocks to catch drunk drivers okay so it sounds like it's going the, the opposite direction but the way that they rationalized it was the roadblock to catch drunk drivers was for the safety of drivers. And you're operating a vehicle, yeah. and the the roadblock to catch cocaine dealers with their sniffer dogs was to catch people breaking general laws. Right, that so, doesn't bear on safety issues with traffic. Exactly. Yeah. Now the way that it came down with the roadblock to what they were doing when this guy was caught drunk driving, there had been a hit and run, a fatal hit and run of a 70 year old bicyclist a week earlier, and they were asking everybody if. And they were going at the same intersection, same time of day, asking everybody if they had seen anything. Yeah. And the Supreme Court said, well, this is neither of those last two situations. Here they're trying to do a public civic duty, and they're not really looking to see if people are breaking the law that are driving. Um, they just are trying to gather information, and, hey, this isn't worse than bad traffic. So they, they let it go. It's They're getting thinner and thin, thinner so slices. Where do you see the consequences of this? Is this going to lead to more roadblocks and somewhat more indiscriminately, or is that well, the fear? Well, defi- people were concerned that, that cops will just make up, you know, flimsy excuses now saying, hey, there, you know, a cat was up the tree here two weeks ago, and we'd like to know <laughs> if you've uh, uh, knew anything about it. And by the way, have you been drinking? So mm. it's it's problematic. Yeah. It, you know, and, and also there's a large outcry saying that, you know, there's a dissenting opinion in the Supreme Court said that that the Supreme Court should not be looking at the, the facts as closely as they are here. They should just tell about the law and shoot it back to the lower courts to have them retry it as to how they saw, see the law. So there's several things going on. All right, uh, Jim, let me ask you this as an attorney. This is an interesting development. Technology is trying to keep up with, uh, well, the law is trying to keep up with technology. Mm. And uh, now with DNA testing, we can match criminals more effectively, uh, incriminating them or freeing them from blame. And apparently in the case of rapists, certainly in some states, I guess like California, if 10 years go by, you've gotten away with it. So uh, I guess in the case of New York is that way. Mayor Bloomberg has announced that what they're going to do now is they're going to file charges against the genetic code of unapprehended offenders and thereby keep the case alive until they actually find a uh, a suspected perpetrator. Then they can, this is a legal ploy, that then allows them to charge the person later than you normally could. That's that's really problematic. I mean, if you're going to, is the person the genetic code or is the genetic code the person? I mean, you start talking about identity. I guess if you if you filed charges against somebody and they they fled, whether or not the statute of limitations would run on that, I don't think so. Um, the, if they found them for l- later, 
and and had charged him you know maybe his name is the same as the dna that's that's i can see where they're going with this but then again you've you've got uh, statute of limitations being uh, upheld very strongly with here in California with regards to the uh, pedophile priests. And th- they wanted to, years later after the statute of limitations ran, go and file charges against these priests. And, and the court said no. So statute of limitations, it's there for a good reason. Okay. That's a strange one, all right. I don't know whether anyone's got a good answer for what's going to happen with this one. I can understand where Bloom, uh, Bloomberg's coming with that. Yeah. Well, they're gonna they're gonna charge John, the DNA of John Doe. I guess gets charged, and the case stays open. Very strange. How about that? Well, Jim, thanks for coming out and joining us in this third segment. I should mention to our audience, you were a production manager at a college radio station. Yes, a lifetime ago. Well, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. I am your host, Douglas Everett. This show was produced by Edward McMillan, and if you'll stay tuned, Todd will join us shortly to bring you, as he always does, hometown atrocities to follow. We'll see you next Thursday at 5 p.m. Shawn.